0: Real Golf Radio It's a reround Now on the tee Brian Taylor and Bob Casper Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones It's a reround On Real Golf Radio
1: Hey, welcome into the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Mountain Land Supply, your turf specialist with rainbird sprinklers, controllers, drip irrigation, and everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros. Go to mountainlandsupply.com. And I'm excited. It's March, and um, the sun's shining. It's a warm few days. Golf courses are open and going. Even some of those Rainbird sprinklers are out sprinkling the golf courses. Mowers are out as well. Finally, we can uh, say, hey, look, you've been hearing about it for a long time. You understand what Mountainland Supply does. Now you need to get out there, and you want your lawn to look as good as your favorite golf course. So shop where the pros shop at Mountain Land Supply, and you can find your locust. Uh, your locust? Don't want to find any locust. You can find your no. local closest location that's where i was going the location closest to you it came out locust somehow that's a compound word is it yeah location closest to you is locust locust yeah you're locust available at mountainlandsupply.com so there you go Uh, but anyway we appreciate mountain 60 degree weather you gotta love it (laughs) i I absolutely do love it and as soon as we're done with the show here i will be out at alpine country club playing a little golf Thank you very little you should come out and play try out the new gear the new Callaway new Maverick. Yet. And, no, it's coming. What'd you order? I ordered a Maverick driver, Sub Zero variety or a regular? Regular. Okay. See right. what happens. Okay. Uh, I will. I will tell you. I will tell you this. Um, I hit a regular one, but I didn't have my shaft in it, mm-hmm. and it went way too high for me. Well, that you're a high ball hitter. I am. I'm a high yeah. ball hitter. But yeah. but I also wonder how much of it was shaft. And by the way, this was an interesting discussion that took place on social media last week and I I wanted to jump in and I just didn't have the energy to jump in, but a lot of uh, the comments were essentially discrediting the involvement of the shaft mm. to the performance of the driver. And I you know, that they the debunking the whole idea that the shaft is the engine. They were saying that you as the player of the engine, you're the one that, that, that adds the the power to the club. And I, I I I liked one of the comments that said technically you would be the fuel
2: <laughs> to yes. the
1: engine driving the driver. Anyway, Correct. Uh, you could yep. you, it's all semantics, I, like I that. suppose. But Uh, it is interesting and, and, and shafts do make a difference. So, uh, make sure that when you go out and get fit for your new favorite driver, hopefully it's a new Maverick driver from Callaway that you, that you do get fit and not just grab it off the rack. Hey, but by the way, if you do grab it off the rack and it's working for you, buy that one. Don't go, don't go buy another one in plastic. If you like that particular driver that you're hitting, buy it. Um, that's another good tip for you out there. So hopefully you're enjoying that, uh, and getting out and testing some of the new gear. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bob, uh, API this week, Arnold Palmer Invitational, $9.3 million purse and a three-year exemption to the winner. I don't know how that had slipped past me, but uh, this has been going for some time now. But some of these elevated events like Jack's event, Arnold's event, the winner gets a three-year exemption, not just a two-year exemption. So definitely something on the line. Also, it's part of the open qualifying series. So if you make it inside the top 10 this week and you're in your highest ranked of those not already qualified, you're into the open. That's correct, which is cool.
3: Yeah. And, and, and tiger's event at, at Riviera, it was made an invitational this year. So it's one of those top tier events like Arnold's and Jack's event, um, uh, Muirfield for Jack and, and Arnold Palmer invitational, uh, which they're playing this week uh, the field is limited. It, it's only 120 players. And so you've got the 120 best that are getting into the field and then, um, like you said, a win is a three-year exemption.
1: Mm, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Tony Fino back in action this week. Uh, Zach Blair also in the field at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Coming up next week, it's the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass. Where does this one rank? I don't want to have the discussion of whether or not it should be considered the fifth major or not. Certainly, it's a high strength of field. It's an entertaining golf course. It always comes down to drama on 17 and 18. Well, 16, yep. 17, and 18, really. Yep. Uh, it's to me it's fun to watch. I think I think it just needs to not have this sort of inferiority complex with the other majors and just accept what it is, the players championship and go out there and 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 compete what it is, not try to be one of the other majors.
3: Well, you know, we've got the four majors and each one of those majors is controlled by the other go- governing bodies, Augusta uh, Augusta National and and the Masters, uh, the USGA, the PGA of America and and the RNA and the European tour. So you've got those all controlled. This is the PGA tours marquee event, the, the, the players championship. And then it, and then it wraps into the playoffs and, and the tour championship at the end of the year. But this is the one that the PGA tour uh, highlights and it boasts the best uh, field in the game in any tournament. So um, it's a, uh, it's a really good one and it's fun to watch and it's, it, it gets the juices flowing just uh you know three or four weeks away from the first major championship of the year
1: ah i can't wait for that uh certainly will be a good time and yeah next week will be a nice little warm-up uh we'll, we'll see how yep. the guys are in form and it doesn't necessarily translate i don't think that there's a whole lot of guys that won the players and then turned around and won the masters i don't know that it's necessarily an indicator in in that respect but it does give you a sense of who's playing well uh but two completely different golf courses uh, for sure so uh countdowns on gust is not far away just a little over 30 i love it yeah a little over 30 days hey we had a great show for you if you're just tuning in for hour number three here on 1280 the zone the mountain land supply hour we have some uh had some terrific interviews the last two hours uh, on the network show, uh, including uh, Garrett Clegg from University of Utah. He's the head men's golf coach, and we had him on to talk about what it's like to build a program and recruiting, and the uh, his take as a college coach on the potential rule bifurcation, rule change, if that was t- in fact to to play out, and how that might impact his players. So you'll hear from Garrett Clegg coming up, uh, as well as Tom Pernice Jr., who is on the side of it from the professional standpoint, saying. Like He really believes that the professionals ought to be governed by a professional set of rules, not an amateur set of rules that, that also govern play for the rest of the 99% of all golfers. So it's mm-hmm. an interesting take for sure. And then, of course, America's favorite caddy. So uh, we got a lot, there's a lot of good topics on the table. Uh, I should note that uh, in some of the news and notes, Rory McIlroy this week at Arnold Palmer Invitational, before we jump into our interview, is Rory going for seven consecutive top five finishes on the pga tour and if he goes on to do that this week we'll tie tiger woods as the only two players to do that in the last 20 years
3: yeah that's great playing he's playing some really nice golf right now
1: what is it more of a commentary on the depth of field or the lack of dominant players in the last 20 years
3: well i think it's the depth of field guys have proven that they can win um they they've won coming out of college uh there's guys that uh that are really um, kind of progressing and maturing in the game and and winning more golf tournaments, that kind of thing. I think it's the depth of field. I don't think it's about um, the, the lower quality.
1: So you see, when you see an accomplishment like what Rory's doing, six consecutive top fives, just tells you how good he is playing in an environment where, as you said, anyone any week can jump up and win.
3: Well, we, we think about sport as a team type of a thing. Uh, this is not this is not a team sport golf is not a team sport and you're not only playing against the guys that are in the field but you're playing against yourself and you're competing against the golf course and to be able to bring it week after week after week is what rory's doing and that's great stuff
1: yeah no doubt about it so we'll see how he finishes out number one player in the world and he reiterated again this week his stance on that premier golf league for me i might uh there was more to it than that but uh that's all you need to know for me i might rory not uh down with uh, where the money's coming from, nor the fact nope. that they dictate where, he, where and when he has to play. So yep. uh, good for him. Rory says, look, I'm a loyal guy. And Jay Monahan and the way the things the PGA Tour is going right now, there's no reason for me to look anywhere else, and, and I'm going to stay right where I'm at. So uh, that uh, the stance from the world number one Rory McIlroy and very well stated as well on Golf Channel. All right, let's get to our interviews. Uh, as we mentioned, we had some great ones. We're going to start with America's favorite caddy. And this is brought to you in part by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Here he is. There are bag rats. And then there are caddies. Baby.
0: Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is,
1: the caddy on Real Golf Radio. And, hey, the caddy joins us each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio. Hey, caddy, how are you, man? Caddy's a
4: little tired, and I'm I'm tired of, well, you
1: never get tired of
4: hearing what I heard today.
1: Oh yes, what's that?
4: Well, Rory, I I had a buddy who who went to the tournament at Bay Hill, mm-hmm. and he called he called me up and he said, "Well, I just saw something pretty cool." And now this guy's a he was a plus three, a legit plus three, and uh, could hit it a long way. And he watched Rory McIlroy in the first round hit it in the fairway bunker on number four. Now this is a six hundred yard uphill par five. He's in a fairway bunker, and of course he's laying up with an nut. He's two fifty four to the hole, so he's laying up with a. He's not laying up with an iron. He's sitting at twelve feet, making eagle. Wow, from a fairway a bunker. Twenty five, out of a fairway bunker, uphill. Amazing. I don't understand. I mean, I look, Brian. You could dunk on Rory McElroy all day. All day.
1: Like dunking Oreo.
4: need <laughs> that too. <laughs> You could dunk a basketball on him. You could, you know. I don't. I mean, Tony Finow could jump from the foul line and clear him if he's standing on. I mean, it's he's not that big, and he's how do you I'm beside myself. How did how did the guys do that? For me, how does he get like
5: it so far?
1: For me, crazy, I like to- crazy. crazy. Hey Rory, anyway. we're talking a lot about Rory. He he kind of uh, reiterated his stance on uh, playing the PGA Tour and uh you know foregoing any interest in this PGL League. But I mean, when the guy, you know, he sat on this on the uh set with the Golf Channel and and, and just to hear him, every time he talks, he just is a guy that you want to listen to and and I become more and more impressed with him. He's just I mean he has stepped up as uh, one of the leaders on on of the game and I think he handles himself in such a way and and you're right to watch him drive the golf ball uh, the, the his swing if I could mimic one swing and we've argued about this but I I just love watching him swing the golf club and hit the golf ball he, he's unbelievable he's a guy that if you're looking for somebody to be a fan of I mean he's the guy.
4: Yeah, good guy and that that, that driver swing is just crazy. I don't I don't think you could In the history of the game, I'm not aware of one I'd rather have, hitting a driver.
3: So, Caddy. Yeah. Doesn't Rory seem like he's matured? He's a guy that that is a great standard bearer for the PGA Tour, and the PGA Tour's got to love having him being number one and being the guy that's carrying the torch.
4: That's exactly what I'm thinking. He's, He's the guy, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, and you're kind of thinking, wow, Rory McElroy could be that. Obviously, those their legendary static is ridiculous, but you know what I mean. Static. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's 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 not going to fill those shoes, but he could step into that role, and you would be confident that that he would be a guardian of the game, right? That's what that's what Rory. That's what I kind of see him. He's the, he's a guardian of the game kind of a guy, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't. I couldn't feel more like like that than you that, than you're
1: describing. No can, question. Hey, Caddy, can Just you stuff. put this stat into perspective? So, Rory McIlroy, who after the first round is a shot back uh, of the lead, six under par, he is looking for his seventh consecutive top five finish on the PGA Tour. Should he finish in the top five again this week and make it seven in a row? It will be just he and a guy named Tiger Woods to have accomplished such a, such a feat over the last two decades. How impressive is that?
5: I'm impressed that Tiger
4: t- Tigers, Tigers, wasn't just a top five. I believe it was in top one. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have seven top ones? I think he won Sorry. six in a row, oh, didn't he? Oh, okay. Well, then that's okay. It wasn't as good as I thought then. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then we can call it top five. Apologies to Rory, but no, no, that top fives. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy.
5: That's
3: yeah. So, so we've Not we've that. said that the benchmark in today's game, the benchmark is twenty wins on the PGA Tour, which is lifetime exemption. Rory's only two away. Mm-hmm. Is that something? Do you think he can accomplish this year?
4: Oh no, there's no chance Rory McIlroy can win two tournaments this year. <laughs> Um, not not a, chance, not a chance. I'm going to Vegas and betting against that right now. All my money, bye.
3: You think one of them's oh, going to yeah. be in a few weeks at Augusta? I thought you were going to say this month. Oh wow! See, now not the caddy just threw down the gauntlet.
1: Well, yeah, month. I mean, but but how can you not bet with him? I mean, I just got a stat from one of the betting houses that Rory is right now, as of this week. Is the odds-on betting favorite at all four major championships yes. this year?
3: Yes.
4: Mm. Yeah. Well, we've got Saint George. We've got Wingfoot. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: Augusta.
4: Whistling straight. Oh, I'm thinking Harding Ryder Park. Cup. What am I thinking? Yeah. Harding hopefully, he's not Park. the favorite of the Ryder Cup. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he will be. Um, Harding <laughs> Park. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm why not? I I'm. 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 I'm a, I'm a huge. I'm a believer that when, when everybody in the game right now is on their A plus game, he's probably the number one guy to beat. Yeah, that's, I agree that's with my you. opinion. Yeah, he'd, he'd be my number one draft choice if everybody's if everybody's rocking and rolling. Um, yeah, over Tiger thing,
1: if Tiger's rocking and rolling.
4: Well, that that's the one problem is Tiger looks so good at Zozo and at, at, the, at, at the at the President's Cup and obviously he won the Masters. He, but I, I still got to go with Rory because I think Rory could do it more times in a year than Tiger could just because of the health and age and the back thing. How
1: about this? Rory yeah. McIlroy's strokes gained off the tee seventh on the PGA Tour of this season. Strokes gained approaching the green third. Uh, strokes yeah. gained around the green, fourteenth. Strokes gained putting, seventy second. So if there's a if there's a weakness there, strokes gained strokes tee to can't. green, he's number one, and strokes gained total, he is yeah. number one. He's third in driving distance. He hits at a mere three hundred and twenty two right. yards. We
6: start, we've got
4: to get the Irish thing going here. It, you can't <laughs> see we're like fourteen year old boys, right? Everybody, no matter what your age, you're still a fourteen year old boy, and you've got to take advantage of being able to say turd when you can't.
1: Okay, all right, all right. So, yeah, so he's turd in driving distance, 322.
5: There we go. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Uh, He's second in Eagles. He's sixth in birdie average, leads the tour in scoring average 68.2.
4: Glorious, glorious ball striker. And like you said, you just – one of the guys I worked for once said, could you work for VJ? And I said, no, I couldn't watch VJ hit – 7,000 balls a day, I'd lose my mind. I don't know if I'd get tired of watching Rory McIlroy swing a driver. That yeah. might take a
5: while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, so Caddy, this okay. week is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Do you have any good Arnold Palmer stories?
4: I have an interesting... Um, so, unfortunately, very little personal interactions with Mr. Palmer. However, uh, one of the guys at Caddy's on tour, Rick Wen. I always wanted to work for Mr. Palmer. He finally got the call. And I don't remember the exact line that Palmer said, but he told him, he said, I don't want you to be nervous at all or worried at all about telling me what you think about something. If if I ask you what you think, you just tell me. He said, I'm the decision maker. It's, it's all my decision and nothing you say I will never get get upset with you about anything you say, suggest, or offer. But I'm going to make the final decision, and I just want to make sure that you're uh, completely secure with and and comfortable with with uh, telling me anything. I you know when I ask you a question or this or that. I thought that was pretty cool. Just to yeah, come on, basically say, Caddy, uh, I want you to be as confident as you can. Don't worry about anything. I got it. Pretty neat. I like that. Pretty neat. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it held right. true? Right.
5: Get,
4: we need to get we'll need to get Rick on to tell the story. Rick, Rick has some great stories, and uh, it'll be much better told than than that babbling version I just had. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Incidentally, Rick is caddying for Zach Blair, who is on tour right now yeah. and playing he this is. week. Yeah,
1: he yes, he is Zach Blair. Hey, caddy, real quick in a minute or so. Your experience with TPC Sawgrass, we talked last week. Have you seen it, or how long were you there? Any changes that you noticed weather-wise, patterns, what have you?
4: Well, obviously, we're back back to the overseed, and then, then the north the northerly winds and things like that that I think make the course play its best. I just prefer that. When I was there last week, uh, boy, it was... It could not have been more inviting. The scores would have been so low if they had played last week. It just, but here's the thing, especially on 17, you stand on 17 when no one's there, the course is empty. You can throw a golf ball on the green on 17 from the white piece. It just has a way of changing into a a firm and fast, incredibly difficult test of golf quickly. So, I don't know what to expect. It, 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 if it's like, if it's next week like it was last week, they're going to shoot mid teams high teens under par. That's that's what it was like last week. But who knows? You might get there. Look at Bay, Bay Hill's firm enough. You know, um, Bay Hills got 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 some pretty firm conditions. So if it's like that, you know my. Everybody's got to be tired about my mantra about firm greens, high scores. That's all you need, right? I mean, you've got to be bored of that by now. But, <laughs> but no, no, major changes, no major changes to the golf course. A couple little subtle changes on a, on a few greens, but no major changes to the course.
1: All right, that was the caddy uh, who joined us right here on Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Siegfried & Jensen, 801-222-2222, Siegfried & Jensen. Coming up next, Utah Utes men's golf coach Garrett Clegg. You don't want to miss it. It's a good one. Uh, Coach Clegg joins us next right here on Real Golf Radio. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio, and save a $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoop's vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember.
5: The first thing can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker. but true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course, by how well they use values like confidence, perseverance, and integrity hey. in their daily lives. The First Tee helps young men and women become better golfers, but even more important, better people.
7: Get involved. Visit thefirsttee.org.
1: Hey, ever wonder how your favorite golf courses in Utah look so good? Pros and golf superintendents agree you should turn to Mountain Land Supply for your turf irrigation needs. Mountain Land Supply is the exclusive Rainbird golf distributor in Utah. What does that mean for you? When you need irrigation products for your lawn, you can trust Mountainland Supply. will not only have what you need, but they can assist you in designing your sprinkler system with smartphone technology controllers, drip irrigation, pipe parts, and tools. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you.
8: Want to feel the need for speed on the golf course? Come into Uinta Golf and check out the new Cobra Speed Zone Drivers, Fairways, Irons, and Hybrids. The new King Speed Zone Driver and King Speed Zone Extreme Driver has been designed to go as fast and straight as possible. New Speed Zone King SC is Cobra's first-ever carbon fiber iron line that delivers maximum speed, power, and forgiveness. Get custom fit today and receive a 50% bonus trade-in towards any new Cobra Speed Zone Series golf club. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee.
0: It's a Reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you uh, right here on Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you in part by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee, the new Maverick driver, and all the new latest gear available at Golf Uintagolf and uintagolf.com. As we mentioned, had a chance to catch up with Garrett Clegg, head coach of the Utah Utes men's golf team, and talk with him about what it's like building a program these days, recruiting, and his take on potential bifurcation. Here's Coach Clegg. You've been around the the Pac-12. You, you were at Washington, Washington State. Uh, you, you're now here at the University of Utah. You guys head to Bandon Dunes next week as the defending champs in that event, uh, which is great, by the way. Uh, but but talk about what this is like building this program. You've been at Utah for is it four years now?
6: Yeah, in the middle of my fourth year. So came in May of 2016 is when I started.
1: What's the cult? What is it like coming in new to a program? and then building out a culture and a team. Just kind of maybe talk us through that process in college golf these days.
6: Sure. So for me, coming, coming to the U was returning home. my alma mater as well. So, you know, you referenced that I've been in the Pac-12, uh, every place I've coached. I started my coaching career as the assistant coach at the University of Washington. Uh, learned from Matt Thurman, who is now the head coach at ASU. He, ha- he has Utah ties also. He was a BYU grad. Uh, and and anyway, so I I got up there, learned learned a lot about how to recruit, what it is to build a program, um, really how to uh, how to make your uh, college golf team or college golf program sort of a big enterprise. And and then I was able to get some head coaching experience at Washington State University, and when the opportunity came to come to the U, uh, it was it was a great time for, for my family, for, for us to, to make that switch and make that move. And, and then once we got here, you know, the program hadn't been performing at the level that I think most of the golf community felt like it should be. Uh, You know, we've got an incredible golf community in and around Salt Lake city. We have a ton of golf courses, tons of public, everybody plays golf. And so Uh, Really, everybody expected us to be capable of of having a a really good program. And the U, you know, in order to build that, there is a lot of um, funding that that has to take place. And the University of Utah decided they were going to dedicate the resources necessary to to build a program, to be able to recruit, to travel travel wherever we needed to travel to recruit, to be able to compete in the best tournaments, travel wherever we need to, to to compete, uh, and, and once you have that opportunity, then you can really start getting players to, to come here. You know, you, you, my, my roster, we'll, we'll probably talk about, is pretty eclectic. I have a lot of international players, um, and, and I'm able to go, uh, go out and travel really around the world to be able to recruit those players to bring them here to Salt Lake City. So
3: it's not only players from the state of Utah, But tell us where some of those players. You said you're eclectic. um, Mm -hmm. Your eclectic roster. Tell us where you've traveled to and some of the players that you brought in.
6: Yeah. So, in basically every recruiting class I've had since I've been here, has been one in state or two in state kids, and then one or two international kids as well. So my first, very first recruiting class was Blake Tomlinson from Skyline High, a great Utah player, uh, played awesome in Utah junior golf, and uh, accompanied also with Tristan Mander from uh, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. And then after that, we brought a kid in from, we brought two kids in from Sweden, one from Spain, um, and, and really, I travel to Europe at least once a year, sometimes twice, and my assistant goes once. And we get over there and we uh, recruit like crazy and we watch a bunch of tournaments, we watch a bunch of players, and try and find the best ones. And, and our real reasoning behind that is, you know, the U.S. kids, they grow up all wanting to go to college. And our history at the University of Utah wasn't, isn't a grand history, you know. So a, a kid, most kids aren't sitting at home saying, man, I'm dying to get to the University of Utah to play on their golf team. There's plenty that are, and there's plenty of local kids that are, but you get down to California, and and they're not saying that. They're trying to get to Stanford or to USC or UCLA or to, you know, to those schools, not necessarily get to the University of Utah. And so we had to go where kids don't know a lot about college golf other than, you know, a lot of these European kids come over and play college golf. They know about college golf, but they they aren't tied in super close with with universities or programs so then we can run the the recruiting race and and have opportunities for them here in salt lake and our city is big enough it's really easy to get in and out of salt lake international airport and that's that's sort of how we've come up with the roster that we have
1: Coach Garrett Clegg from the University of Utah joining us here on Real Golf Radio, talking a little bit of college golf. It's really interesting, and and I think what you just described is is the game of golf. It really is an international game. Not only you know on the PGA Tour, as we as you see so many international players. In fact, the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week has had four consecutive international champions uh, winners of of this event. So, but you're you're seeing this the global effect that the game of golf has had, and and I guess if you're Polling guys from Sweden, uh, they're used to the seasonal uh, climate that you have there in Salt Lake City, right? Um, So maybe it's not so much so different to come and play in a seasonal place as opposed to going to uh, an Arizona or a California.
6: Our our weather is a lot better than the weather in Sweden. So when they (laughs) come here, when they come here, it's a major improvement. Uh, You know, it's it's really. I mean, our weather really isn't that bad. You know, it was a gorgeous day out there today. We had a great practice. Uh, you know, if you compare it to the Midwest or to, you know, to Sweden, uh, we've, we've got pretty tropical weather, but, uh, our Spaniard gets a little cold. <laughs> he, had a, he had a pretty cold winter this year. It was a little tougher on him, but, uh, but no, it's, it's, it is a global game. And these, if you follow, when, when you follow college golf when you turn on the NCAA championships, it'll be on TV, uh, you're going to see a lot of kids from all over the world competing in it.
3: You're, because you're picking up those guys from, uh, you know, like Europe and, and other parts of the world and that kind of thing, is it tough getting them into school or getting them qualified for school?
6: Not necessarily. Our biggest thing for the University of Utah, actually, is we're we have really high English proficiency standards. So the, the academic part of it, if it was just like their SAT test and their GPA, right. it, it would be simple. Uh, it's Our English proficiency is, is the highest of the three institutions I've coached at, uh, believe it or not. So uh, that's that's a big challenge for us, uh, getting kids in. But the Swedes speak really, really good English. Their, their English is, is not a challenge at all. Our, our Spaniard, he, it took them a lot of uh, – he had to – do a lot of studying and and take the English proficiency test a number of times in order to get a high enough grade or high enough score to be accepted at, at the U. So that's, that is our biggest challenge with international kids.
1: Hey Garrett, what's it like uh, being a, a program that is certainly small in comparison to, say, men's football? Obviously, football or men's basketball, and, uh, and and how how how's the university? You said they've 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 put the investment in there, but what have they done? What facilities, things like that, and and uh, resources have they given to you to be able to to build this program?
6: Yeah, so if you're a member of our program, you have a junior membership at Salt Lake Country Club. Mm. We've, we've got a deal there. So everybody on the team gets to play a practice out there, uh, all year long, all, even during the summer months. So, so, you know, a kid from Salt Lake, uh, if he's sticking around, he's, he, he gets to practice all he wants at Salt Lake Country Club. It's a pretty amazing place to be. Uh, that, that costs us a decent amount of money and those are resources that the athletic department was willing to, to provide us. Also, you know uh, our recruiting budget. I mean, you know football. I think it's published spends over a million dollars in recruiting, and they're recruiting eighty-five or not eighty-five, but classes of twenty-five athletes. Uh, you know that sign each each year. Our recru- recruiting classes are two or three, but but when I got when I came here, the recruiting budget they they tripled that for us from what they used to have, and wow. and our travel budget they added quite a quite a substantial amount plus they allowed me to hire a full-time assistant, which is the first time in University of Utah's program history to have a full-time assistant. You know, when I played, we didn't even have a full-time coach. And the coach before <laughs> me, he was, he was full-time, but he really was paid like a part-time coach. You know, the, so the university's really, really up everything and every, every part of it for our program. Mm. And, then, so, and then also on top of that, we're, we are building an indoor facility that the groundbreaking is going to happen on the uh, 19th of of this month.
1: Congratulations. That's
3: awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, so golf is kind of interesting because um, you know, in the team sports and that kind of thing, you play within conference and, and that kind of thing, but in golf, you can go out and play in tournaments um, outside of your conference or most of the tournaments you do play are outside of your conference. And then everybody calls, comes all back together for the conference championship and that type of thing. Explain a little bit about that.
6: Yeah. You, you kind of pick and choose your schedule. And, uh, basically the only time you play against everyone in your conference is at your conference championship. But we play in, I think it's 12, well, 11 regular season events and then a 12th with our conference. Um, Maybe it's only ten this year, but just depending on the year, we have a we have a finite number of days we're allowed to use when we make our schedule, and so you can choose to play in three-day tournaments, two-day tournaments. But our our like this week, we're playing at Bandon Dunes. It's a three-day tournament, and it is hosted by the University of Idaho. They're technically the host school, but there'll be Pac-12 teams, there'll be uh, Big 12 teams, there'll be um, Mountain West teams, there'll be you know. A, all sorts of different conferences represented at that tournament. I think there will be 18 teams, 15 or 18 schools that will be there. And that's pretty standard. Most tournaments are between 12 and 15 to 18 schools from tons of different conferences. Usually, for the most part, fairly regional. The ones that, are, uh, that pull from everywhere are tournaments like Hawaii or you know, there's, there's one just in, in Cabo. Um, you know, so there's a few that will pull teams from all over the country, but most are relatively regional in, in their representation.
1: Coach Garrett Clegg from the University of Utah joining us here talking a little college golf. Uh, we had Tom Pernice Jr. on the show. I just got to throw this out and get your opinion. He's pretty much in favor of bifurcation. He said, uh, you know, look, let's let's have a different standard uh, for what the tour players are doing, the, the top 1% of all of golfers versus the amateur game. Do you see an issue with that, and do you think that will ever happen, and how would that affect how you coached in the college ranks? So
6: I <laughs> – I kind of disagree with Tom, okay? So I, I see an issue with it in that at what time do these kids change? You know, it's, if you went from, and I guess in baseball they go from an aluminum bat to a, uh, to a wooden bat, but if you went from a Pro V1X and you're hitting it and you're carrying it 295 yards, and then all of a sudden you turn 18, you play in college golf. You got to start playing a titleist tour a wound ball, or something like that, at a steel shafted club, or you know, they fly so much differently. You have to kind of relearn the game at that point. Yeah. And so I think it'd be even harder for kids to make that jump. Uh, it, once they get to college, it's, whenever that point begins, it's it's a total different game. They have to learn how to play. It's not the same as swinging a bat that's made of a different material. You know, the ball spins so much more, which makes it curve a lot different. When it lands in greens, how it spins, when your, how your wedge shots come off the face. Uh, I mean, every bit of that completely changes the way the, golf, the, way the game is played. I'm more in favor of, um, you know, if, if they want to slow the ball down, they can do it by the thickness of the driver and the 3 wood. You know those faces are so thin. I mean, we we crack those things. My my high speed players, they go through a driver every six to eight weeks. It's just wow. their their faces crack. You know they're, they're they've te- they 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 pushed limits there. If you want to if you want to do that, make those clubs travel less distance, but perform relatively similar, and or gradually work the ball down. But if you have a completely different type of game, I mean it's a it's it's a totally different game. I, I don't know when the last time you guys went out and played around with a Titleist um, uh, but I know like I was speaking with a with a with another college coach, and and he had a he put on a little nine hole deal with his players where he gave them Wilson staff uh, blades, he gave him persimmon heads and Titleist Torvalda balls, and sent them out and played. And <laughs> his best score was over forty in nine holes. It's a really? different game. Yeah. I mean, it's, you chip it totally different. You wedge it totally different. Uh, you know, I mean, just, just look at the way chip shots are executed in today's game versus Jack Nicholas and, and Tom Watson and and some of those guys and, you know, they, they played a totally different game because it was a different ball.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Coach Garrett Clegg, University of Utah joining us. All right. Uh, in the last minute or so we have here, got to give you an opportunity to brag on some of your players. Uh, maybe let, <laughs> let us know who, who, who do you like. I mean, not who you like, you like them all, but who are some players of note, especially coming in this week as you guys defend abandoned dunes, who are some of the, we should keep an eye on that we'll be seeing out there.
6: Yeah. So Blake Tomlinson won the tournament individually last year. Uh, Great, great player. And Bandon allows – Blake talking about high speed. Blake's a massively high-speed player. His driver swings at about 125 to one, almost 130 ever, occasionally. And so uh, when he has room on a course like band – we're on Pacific this year, but when there's a lot of room, he has a lot of ability to succeed. And, uh, and so he won last year. I, I'm, I'm hoping for great things of him this year. Tristan Mandur finished third individually in the tournament last year. He'll be back there uh I, I I hope he'll play great he he looked all he's been looking fantastic for the last week and a half and then uh also Mitchell Scow is our captain and and kind of leader this year he's a senior and and i you know, he didn't play great there last year uh but he's got a little bit better control of his golf ball this year so hopefully he can uh he can have a good one for us.
1: All right. Thanks to Coach Clegg for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Really good and interesting comments there. Really insightful. Really appreciate him taking some time to join us here on Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you in part by Hoops Vision and hoopsvision.com. Be sure to schedule your free evaluation and consultation today. And if you mention Real Golf Radio, you're going to save $1,000 on your LASIK procedure. More and more newer, later, greatest technologies available all the time and Hoops Vision and their staff on the cutting edge of it. So if you haven't been a candidate in the past, might want to go see him again and see what. What options are available for you, but no sense in hitting your golf ball and not be able to see where it goes. They can take care of you at Hoops Vision and HoopsVision.com. We'll take a short break. Tom Pernice joins us next, right here on Real Golf Radio.
7: Temperatures are
3: dropping, and you know what that means. Frozen pipes, busted sprinklers, and worse. Turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard. That will last this time. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbow Golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents Trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate their golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest to you.
1: This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy Reshape your golf game at
8: Uinta Golf with the new TaylorMade Sim family. The new Sim Shape and Motion series is here, featuring the Sim, Sim Max, and Sim Max D-type drivers, fairways, and rescues. Sim Woods have been reshaped to increase your distance and swing speed, while the Sim irons are made so you no longer have to compromise distance and feel. Get custom fit today and receive a fifty percent bonus trade-in towards any new TaylorMade Sim Series golf club. Now at Uinta Golf, home of the ninety-day satisfaction guarantee. It's
0: a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All
1: right, welcome back to the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. You ever wonder how your favorite golf courses in Utah look so good? Well, the pros and the golf superintendents. Agree that you should turn to Mountain Land Supply for your turf irrigation needs. Go to Mountain Land Supply to find the location nearest you. And as we've mentioned, we had a chance to catch up with Tom Pernice Jr. from uh, the Champions Tour, get his take on this bifurcation, potential bifurcation discussion. He's been very opinionated. Bob played uh, golf with professional golf with him in Asia back in the day, and it was good to have him on the show and get his take on this developing story. I guess the first question I have for you is, is, is bifurcation such a bad word in the game of golf?
5: It, it seems to be, unfortunately. But um, to start off with, I think professional golf is the only major sport that is dictated by the ruling bodies of amateur groups. Um, basically, the RNA and the USGA are dictating the rules for professional golf, the PGA Tour, the European Tour, LPGA, champions, you name it. And I couldn't see the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball having the NCAA or some other amateur organization controlling not only the the game itself, but the rules that professionals need to play. And I just, I really don't think it makes any sense. I think a lot of it has to do with tradition. But, you know, I think the best players in the world have gotten so much better than the average player. I think it's very difficult to try to encompass a set of rules that works for both and skill level for the best players in the world.
3: So, so I, I mean, that's the facts of, of what this is all about. At I mainly as far as distance, as far as the USGA, uh, implementing the rules and that kind of thing, it's, it's about the elite players and it's about the, you know, that, less than one percent of the golfers in the world and they're and it almost seems like they're dictating the rules based on the best players in the world and not the majority and what's best for the majority in the game.
5: Well I think they're in a tough position. I mean, how can you put forth a complete set of rules that's gonna make the the best players in the world and have their skill level be the determining factor and then at the same time have the average Mr. And Mrs. And, uh, average player that you're trying to grow the game and get more people to play the game and encompass it all in one, I think is pretty much unrealistic. Um, you know, I, I think <clears throat> for professional golf, if you had a 20% spin to the ball, made the club head on a driver smaller, um, can only be 38 inches long. Um, I think skill would become very prevalent. Uh, I think the best players would still dominate, if you will, or be, you know, top players in the world. But the older courses wouldn't be to where, you know, the majority of the players are hitting driver wedges and nine irons into, to where, if you look back when Jack and Arnie or you know, Bobby's dad played, there were, you know, par fours where you hit driver and four and five irons, And that doesn't mean that it has to, but if people want to be able to test the best players in the world and have them hit middle arms into par fours, you know, I mean, they're going to need to do something. Of course, just can't get any much longer than they are today. But if people don't mind and if they think that hitting driver wedges into all the holes in par fours is fine, then it's okay, but I think people that really want to test the best players in the world, but in the skill levels, I think, probably I realized that, you know, Jack didn't hit driver wedge every hole. Bobby's dad didn't, so, you know, there's just, you know, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I think something needs to be brought in, but you don't want to penalize the average day player, you want to be able to let them make the game easier, because it's almost more difficult for them. As they get older, um, agronomy gets more sophisticated. The greens get faster. Fairway grasses get uh, they cut shorter. Pitching becomes very difficult because architects have good closely mown areas all around the greens instead of just the approaches. So no one can pitch the ball off of fairway lengths anymore because it's so difficult. And grainy grains, or grainy grasses that they put around the uh, outsides of the greens are mostly Bermuda's. Grain always goes away. So, you know, there's no art in pitching anymore because of the architectural changes. Uh, so, people pop. I mean, so we need to do what we can to make the game easier for the average player. And I think they really need their own set of rules. I mean, you know, let a maker with a long putter, let them grab their shirts. You know, if that's going to keep playing the game longer and enjoy the game, fine. But, you know, you're going to test the best players in the world and have skill involved, then, you know, you can't anchor on your chest or up your left forearm, and, you know, the opponent can be 38 inches, and that's what it is. I mean, you know, add some spin to the ball. If you want to swing 130 miles an hour, then you need to be able to control that spin. You know, if the head's smaller or if the driver, you know, are going to have, you know, the MOI is going to change, and you're going to have to be more skilled. Well, uh, I think that's just my view.
1: Tom Pernice Jr. joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So, having said that, do you think the professional game has been, is it too easy for the guys? I mean, do you think it's in a bad spot or going the wrong direction um, because of the distance? Okay. No, absolutely not. And the
5: athletes are going to continue to get bigger, stronger, faster. And better. I mean, they're spectacular. They're very talented. They're strong. They're fast. They work their tails off. Not at all. But you know, they're not going to hit the ball any shorter if you leave everything like it is now. It's going to keep going farther and farther. I mean, that's just a fact. And, you know, do you want to dial it back to where you want guys hitting middle irons into par fours? I mean, I don't know. But, you know, I think we could use one ball specification and then you could stamp anything you wanted on it, but I don't think if you added 20 percent spin to the ball which is going to call more curvature and as you swing harder it's going to have it rise into the wind and you play into the wind but i don't think the average player is going to go buy a ball that's going to spin more so i'm, I'm not so convinced that it's such a bad thing for the manufacturers either which mm. like everybody's afraid of the manufacturers the average player they're going to play the ball that goes the farthest they're not worried about you know stopping on the green as much so I think it actually could help the average player, but it would challenge uh, the best players in the world.
1: How about your game, Tom? I mean, you're 60 years old. Uh, you've been playing this game for a long time. You, I mean, just, just a quick check of your stats on dot com says you're driving at 278.9. Uh, how how have you noticed with your – and you're a fit guy too. So how have, you, how have you noticed with your fitness, with the equipment? How do you compare – you know, your driving distance or your distance in general today versus, say, when you and Bob were playing in Asia 25, 30 years ago?
5: Well, I think when you do it for a living and, and you're an athlete, I mean, you figure out what's important and what you do. I mean, look what Phil Mickelson's done to this part of his work routine and figured out, you know, adding 8 to 10 miles an hour, Ball speeds.
1: All right, that was Tom Pernice joining us right here on Real Golf Radio, and uh, Tom Pernice talked about off the air how much he enjoyed going to Marrakesh and. um yep. playing in in morocco and uh you know you guys started talking about food and all that good stuff and that's where that led me right into thinking you know it's time to throw some meat on the smoker here we go, we got a beautiful weekend it's time to crank out the yoder in your case the traeger all purchased from pit Stop. yeah barbecue pit stops your one-stop shop where you can get your favorite uh, pellet smoker all your rubs and sauces and everything you need so uh, what's it going to be what's on the docket is it just a summer get that summer feel maybe throw some burgers on or are you going to go a little more fancy this weekend
3: no, we're going to go a little bit more fancy. It's my, wife, my wife's birthday week. Uh, she just uh, turned 29 again. Nice, again. <laughs> again oh, nice, well done. So we're, gonna, we're probably going to throw a tri-tip on mm, this week. I a tip yeah, yep. I'm,
1: I'm all about the tri-tip. Throw some tri-tip on, on your pellet smoker. You will enjoy that experience. You can get all the details and become a barbecue pit master at barbecuepitstop.com. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Dave Glaser, our producer. For Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. Next week, it's the Players' Championship Edition of Real Golf Radio right here on 1280 The Zone. Thanks for listening
0: to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our
5: website at RealGolfRadio.com. It's been real.